Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, quarantined in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with Rob Sullivan. He's an international speaker, an author, and executive coach. Now, I met Rob in, I guess it was 2007, and I was working for a janitorial supply, and I was part of the sales force. And so Rob was hired to come and talk to all of us about how to be better salespeople. And because I am a you know, cynical Gen Xer, and because, like, you know, they say Gen X is cynical. Hello, that's me. And also, I am not like raw, raw work environment. I've never been. I've, I've always rolled my eyes at any kind of corporate atmosphere. I've never liked it. So I had absolutely no enthusiasm about this whole workshop that Rob was hosting. And I was very surprised and delighted to find a very down-to-earth and cool person who has an open mind about life. That's what I really liked, that he had an open mind. In fact, I had friended him on Facebook and discovered that he had posted about, um, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it might have been, as he mentions in our um, conversation a little later, he, he had once talked to this intuitive person, and a, a psychic person. And at that particular time, I was calling psychics. I was taking advantage of calling them, meaning that I called them too much and I was all bunched up and I wanted answers. But um, <laughs> I just thought, oh, he has an open mind and he doesn't just immediately dismiss things that were, uh, that you know, that we can't necessarily explain. And I've always had that, you know, interest in the occult. I, I don't allow it to rule me or, or um, guide my decision-making per se, um, at least in the smaller picture, meaning like I don't necessarily call up, I wouldn't call up a psychic. And if a psychic said, well, you better not get on that airplane, I mean, I would get on the airplane. So um, I, I didn't take them seriously in that way. But I'm going to be doing this podcast tomorrow, a patrons only podcast. And I want to talk about the fact that I've managed, we all do, we all manifest our own life. I just, I, ha I haven't been doing it deliberately before I started in, in December. Um, but I was, you know, definitely when I found that Rob was open to it, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, we stayed friends on Facebook and all of that. And then I don't know, you know, he said it, he explains when we talk further in our interview, you know, he got cancer. He had lymphoma and he dealt with it for five years. I remember him seeing it post about it on Facebook and I felt so bad. But I do also remember, as he will be talking about seeing him, um, you know, talking about how much loving energy that he got from people. And he's got a really cool story about that, too. So uh, we're going to be talking about manifesting um, and the law of attraction in our own personal lives, but kind of like in the framework of COVID. So one of the, like, before I did the show today, um, I was freaking out. I was not having a good day. Um, I'm just scared of what's going to happen. And I realized that, you know, one of the things Rob talks about, and he talked about on some Facebook posts that he, he recently um, put up was scarcity, like having a scarcity mentality or fearful mentality. And of course, it's, it's very difficult to separate yourself from that because right now what is happening is very scary. And there are reasons to, you know, people are not making money. People are worried about paying their rent. There's so many things that are happening that amplify the feeling of scarcity. And so 
how do we overcome that? That's one of the things that I want to get to. And it's not to say that we've got all the answers here, um, but definitely maybe some thought-provoking conversation for people who are just so concerned and worried and they don't know how to unwind. Um, I, I, you know, offer up a couple of ways that I unwind specifically after I go grocery shopping um, because that's an extremely traumatic event for me. And when I talk to Rob, we do go over uh, the process that I, I choose to go through afterward in order to calm myself down. And so that's really the main reason I wanted to have him on because, um, hopefully everything, hopefully we're going to be able to get through this. We'll get to the other side. And if this is a, a subject that is at all interesting to you, um, I mean, you could start now, but I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, I have for the majority of my life been too afraid to feel positive about myself. It, it was easier for me to beat myself up. It was it was like I was, if I appreciated too much, I was jinxing myself, which I think is ridiculous now, but that was the thought process that I had. Um, and, you know, prior to my, my journey in this whole law of attraction manifesting thing, um, I would focus on things that I was resentful about. And much to my surprise, as soon as I started doing this, as soon as I was learning more about it and understanding how um, repeated thoughts become beliefs, then what you have to do is change the way you think. So if I told myself I can't do this, I can't make enough money if I do this for a living or if I, whatever it is, you replace that with something that's positive and that you can achieve. You focus on what you have instead of what you don't have. And that was a big thing for me. I always focused on what I didn't have. My mother would tell me this all the time. And you know, she's like, you've got so much to be grateful for. My grandmother would always say, count your blessings. And my mother now always says, count your blessings. I wasn't counting my blessings. I was counting all the things that I didn't have and feeling like almost like a victim of, of my life. Even though I have been extremely fortunate in my life and I have so much, Rob and I talk about abundance. There's so much abundance. Um, there's so much to be grateful for. Even if it's just something that's on the smaller side, if you if you have a nice home, if you're comfortable, if you get to, you know, at the end of the day, if you get to watch a movie that makes you laugh, that's an abundant. That's something that you can have an, as an abundance thing in your life because you can laugh, because you can feel comfort, because you have food in your stomach. Whatever it is, there's something to be grateful for. And as soon as I started to replace uh, my fearful feelings with feelings of gratitude, it was unbelievable how quickly uh, my mood changed because I was not in a healthy place. A, a good portion of last year, I was faking it, <laughs> but I wasn't. I wasn't in a good place. And I mean, I had, I'd have my moments of feeling good. Um, I don't want to sound like I was, you know, um, needing medication for my depression, but I was certainly, I had depression and I was feeling anxiety. And as I started this, which I am going to do a patrons only podcast tomorrow about my journey. Um, as I started this process, um, it was almost immediate that I stopped. I, I just stopped focusing on the things that I either didn't have or that I couldn't change. You know, there's things that happened when I was younger, um, experiences in my life that shaped the way I viewed the world. And, you know, and then as you continue to go year after year after year and you repeat these kinds of messages, you know, this didn't happen, so this, or whatever negative thing, 
you keep repeating it and it's like a muscle. You grow that muscle and it is a belief now. You believe it. Whether it's true or not, you believe it. And then I just replaced. If I had that resentful feeling, if I had that negative feeling, I replaced it with something I was grateful for in my life. And it stopped me from going down that rabbit hole. And again, I do mention this in my talk with Rob, but I really want to re- like like drive this idea in because oftentimes we're our own worst enemy and we allow ourselves to drown in the negative instead of finding the positive. For some reason that feels easier. And what I've discovered is, no, it isn't. It's much more difficult to drown yourself in the negative and be in that negative energy and and feel all of it and take on that burden than it is to replace those negative things uh, with positive things and then you just feel better. That's much easier. It really is much easier. So we're going to talk in length about that and we're going to talk about how it affects uh, or how we can apply this manifesting energy, whether it's meditation or whatever, during COVID because it's very scary and a lot of us are experiencing anxiety and there are things that you can do to kind of relax yourself and to pull yourself out for a little while. So we're going to talk about that and it doesn't just mean laying in the bed and meditating. There's a number of things that we can do and so Rob and I just talk about those things. So that's it. And uh, it's just funny to me that I had known him all these years ago. And now we're connecting um, once again on a podcast, my podcast. And like I said, when I do my um, patrons only show tomorrow, I want to really emphasize how I manifested the life that I'm living right now. But I, again, did not deliberately manifest it. I visualized it without visualizing it on purpose. I said I wanted it out loud without taking um, deliberate steps. It's just, I'll explain it tomorrow. It'll be an interesting um, kind of introspective, very, very, very personal post because I, I, I think this is also fascinating and it's a great way for me to not focus on freaking COVID. <laughs> anyway, um, of course, before we get started, you know what's coming. Start Me Up is an independent podcast and it's woman run. And I'm the woman who runs it. So it would be super, super cool. If you like the show today, please consider becoming a monthly subscriber at patreon.com slash start me up. Now, keep in mind, I usually talk about politics or, you know, patriarchy or body image. Today's a little bit of a different show. So today we're going to be talking about manifesting and law of attraction and how you can apply it in these really scary times. So that is a little different. Um, So just keep that in mind. But usually, yes, I'm political and I like to talk about politics. So when you sign up for any tier, you're going to get each podcast delivered to your email box. So like if you sign up for a two, for $2 a month, you get each show delivered into your email box. And then I am doing these patrons only shows. Now, I want to be very clear about this. At some point, and I'm not sure when, I'm going to make these shows for $5 patrons only. But for right now, as I am growing things, I'm keeping it at whatever, um, if you sign up for a dollar or more, $2, $4, $3, you will get these patrons only shows. But then at some point, and I'm not sure when, I'm going to cut it off and you'll have to be a $5 subscriber in order to hear these shows. So, but I just kind of want people to get a feel for them and see if it's something that they want. And, um, and if you do want to upgrade, you can upgrade and that would be great. So obviously when you do sign up for that $5 tier, um, at this point it's any tier, anything that makes you a patron, um, you will get at least two 
patrons only podcasts a month. Um, I believe this month I'll probably do one with Stephanie. She's going to be on next week and that's going to be a free show. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do, but, um, I might have, uh, you know, a co-host with me or I might do a second show. That's just me by myself going solo. Not sure exactly what that's going to be, but, um, either way it's going to be more personal, Again, sometimes I talk about my dating life and I will get, I I asked, I did a poll a couple of weeks ago asking if they wanted a co-host with Steph, which everybody pretty much wanted a co-host with Steph, um, or me talking about the dude who put up all the red flags and then dumped me by omission. And I will talk about him, whether it's sooner or later, I'll get to it. But I like to just either share stories about my dating life or my personal life or whatever it is. And like I said, tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a show about my personal journey that had has led me to sitting here right now in front of a microphone talking to you and that's going to be fun for me and it'll be a good distraction um but anyway uh it's just it's just a way for patrons to get to know who I am so when when you're listening to me interview people you understand my point of view um last thing is if you like to make a one-time donation you can look at the patreon description of this show and you'll find my email address that's an on you just go to paypal and send whatever one-time donation you want for those who do thank you i appreciate it and of course thank you to all my patrons i love you guys um especially when you comment even if you don't agree even if you're like oh my god i think you're full of shit i I love it i want to hear it um last you can find start me up on itunes stitcher wherever podcasts are found and Thank you, thank you, thank you to the two people who gave me reviews and uh, ratings because I got some crappy reviews from people who did not like what I said out on social media. So thought they thought they were going to punish me by coming on and giving me negative reviews. But it's funny because I complained about both and they took one off, which was good. Um, they left the one up where a guy said that Kimberly's an old school Democrat and doesn't like it when men correct her. <laughs> and he gave me one star. Fuck him. And you know what? Um... The, the rest of them are all pretty good. So he his just stands out like a total mansplainer. So I'm actually happy to keep that one up. But anyway, I want to thank the people who did give me positive reviews to help counter that negative review. And um, you just go to, you go to iTunes and then it's at Apple Podcasts and you become a s- subscriber. It's free to do that. And then if you could give me a review, I really appreciate it because you know I have a big mouth and you know I'm going to piss people off and the way they try to get you back is giving you negative reviews. So all of the good reviews are very much needed and necessary. And for all of you who have given me a good review, thank you so much. Um, all right, that's it. Please enjoy my conversation with Rob Sullivan. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Well, thank you. It's good to talk to you, Kimberly. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I talked about this in the intro, but you and I um, met, I believe it was like in 2007 or 2008. I was working for Hilliard, which is a janitorial supply. And it's funny because, and I don't really know if you know this, but I am, um, like when, when I, you were basically conducting a, sem- I don't know if this is the right word, seminar, um, to, to help us become better salespeople. Is seminar the right word? Uh, workshop. Seminar. Workshop, yeah, yeah. It works. Either way. Yeah. So um, my initial reaction to these kinds of things in the workplace is to roll my eyes because it's like, oh, God. You know, it's one of these rah-rah people. And I was so pleasantly supri- surprised with you. Um, you were so cool and down to earth. And, and then what was interesting was I, I had, you know, friended you on Facebook after, after we did the workshop and found out that you and I had similar interests 
Um, and I, you know, it was like, I, I can't remember what it was that you talked about, what, whatever you talked about, but it goes along the line of what we're talking about today, which is manifesting and the law of attraction and how to, um, you know, keep those negative thoughts far away or just bury them <laughs> with positive thoughts or whatever. So um, it's just funny that, you know, all these years later, here we are. But you, I, I want to reiterate, I mean, you were such a, um, a great uh, what what would you call it? Host of this workshop, you you did such a fantastic job. You made it fun, and you just you didn't come across as somebody who was like Mister Ra Ra and not believing in what you said. It was like you believed in everything you said, and it was all very good and common sense. Oh uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I lo- I am so lucky that I have a job that I love. Yeah. So well, that's what that's really important. That's like the most important thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Anyway, um, okay. So let's let's dive into this. And first, um, I, I'm feeling a little low today because you know occasionally I can um, use manifesting techniques and um, you know during this pandemic specifically uh, to pull myself out of the doom feeling. Although today it's not, I'm not doing a very good job of it. So I'm glad that I'm talking to you because I need some, um, I don't know, I, I need something to kind of pull me out and to, and to have hope. So let's start this conversation um, with your story. And I want to begin, um, I mean, feel free to tell everybody what you do and all that, but then go into, you have overcome, I believe, cancer. So I want to hear about that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm happy to start wherever. And, and I'm honored to be on your, your podcast. It is funny that it started all those years ago. So so thank you. you Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I, I wish I could sit here and say that I've always been this amazing expert manifester and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Um, that's, would be an absolute flat out lie if that, if I did say that. Uh, so let's, let's be honest about where it all started. Uh, yeah, I did, uh, have cancer five years ago and, you know, interestingly, uh, I would say, and I never really thought about it this way, but the cure for that and, and the cure for some of that thinking and whatnot, uh, started even a bit before that. Hmm. Um, and it started with, uh, this is, I, I tell this story now in workshops. I know I didn't tell it. I hadn't worked up the courage yet when I was, uh, teaching your class, but, um, hmm. I had a girlfriend one time who called me up one afternoon and she said, Rob, she said, I've got, we had broken up like six months before. Mm-hmm. And she called me up and she said, Rob, I've got some feedback for you that I think is going to help you in future relationships, but I don't have time to talk right now. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, but you've got to be kidding. So <laughs> I'm human. What did I do? I spent the next you know, three hours right. winning imaginary arguments in the shower <laughs> type of thing. And then Finally, an hour before she arrived, it dawned on me. I said, wait a minute, turn on for a second, Rob. She doesn't have to do this for you. Mm-hmm. You know, she's doing, she's giving you a gift. Hmm. And, you know, should you choose to accept it? So right. why don't you just shut up and see what she has to say? <laughs> and so I, you know, thought, okay, all right, now I've got to, you know, reach this level of peace. And then she knocks on the door and she comes in and she says, remember that story you told me about your grandfather? I said, well, yeah. And what she was referring to was after my grandfather on my mom's side died, uh, he, uh, we found a, a drawer full of letters, of uh, thank you notes. Uh, turns out he was the anonymous donor who had donated all of the uniforms when kids, you know, like there would be a thing about, you know, kids needing uniforms for school mm-hmm. and they would take up a special collection at church. 
Well, he would just donate the whole amount. Wow. Um, and he did. And I don't even think my grandmother knew he'd done a lot of this stuff. We also found a thank you note from somebody who he had put through college. No one has any idea who this person is. Um, that's just who he was. Mm-hmm. He was just a really good, generous guy. He didn't necessarily have a lot of friends, but he was incredibly generous. And I told her, I said, you know, that's who I want to be. And she looked at me and she said, you are exactly the opposite. <laughs> and oh, wow. I was at a point in my life, of course, you know, the truth hurts, right? Yeah. So I was at a point in my life. I had just written uh, my first book. Uh, I was not making a lot of money. I thought writing a book was a get-rich-quick scheme, but it most definitely is not. No, it isn't. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, um, there was all this, you know, and, and because I didn't have a regular stream of income, when I did have money, I was, you know, I was legitimately cheap. And now here's the thing that's really interesting. I didn't realize this until this all happened, but I firmly believe that a scarcity mentality, that idea that there isn't enough, whether it's money or health or food or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that scarcity mentality is a disease and it's a disease every bit as bad as alcoholism or anything else. Because it literally changes your thinking. Yeah. Now, like any good coach, Amber, my ex-girlfriend, gave me this whole um, series of examples of things that I had done. And it's not like I was out drinking because I didn't I've never been a huge drinker, or at least it's definitely not at that point in my life. You know, and I literally did not remember doing the things that she had said I had wow. done, but I didn't question that I had done it because yeah. obviously it had upset her. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And she, and then she looked at me and she said, and I broke up with you because you were the third guy in a row who was like that. And she said, I didn't want to go there again. And I don't believe people can change. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. okay, well, that's really interesting. I said, you know, cause I'm thinking to myself, I do believe people can change. And I will tell you, I literally changed in that instant. I made a decision that I needed to practice. You know, I had read books on abundance. Uh, I hadn't been particularly good at practicing them, but I had read them and I was, aware that you had to be grateful in advance for things and that you had to do other, you know, that you had to, you know, if you want to be seen as generous, you can't wait till you've got piles of money to to dole out. You have to be generous in your, you know, relative poverty. And so I started doing that. And I kid you not, that was a turnaround turning point in my life. Mm -hmm. Because now people will sometimes look at me and go like, how, how do you take, you know, how do you afford to have so much, you know, time off and how do you do this and how do you do that? Um, that would never have happened had it not been for that gift. Hmm. So she was the one who originally started my, wow. uh, you know, had a huge impact on my thinking in terms of all that. So that was huge. And then, you know, when the cancer came, that was, uh, you know, its own challenge, but yeah. that was, uh, you know, that was different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, you had said that, um, in one of your posts, you were talking about the fact that, um, you were urging people to, and I can't remember exactly, so you're going to have to fill in the blanks for me, but you pointed out that there are gifts in uh, gifts in the COVID, that, that there are gifts to be found. And you said, I don't want to diminish all the pain and suffering that's going to go down. And you said, because, you know, I mean, I had cancer and there were gifts that I found in that journey. And so I kind of want you to talk about that a little bit. What were those yeah. gifts? Absolutely. Now, now, interestingly, to take a, a minor step back, even on that, uh, the tumors were a direct result of negative thinking. Hmm. Um, and I can tell you that because I remember 
when I was asking, I was at the oncologist office and I said, you know, and it was more in investigative reporter mode, just asking questions mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I said, you know, what causes this? Does anybody know, you know, what do, what do we know about what causes it? Cause at this point I had come to terms with the fact that, okay, so I've got this lymphoma, you know, they found a tumor in my neck, but then they found a whole bunch more in my neck and they found this five by seven by eight centimeter one sitting right on top of my heart. Whoa. And so, which is a pretty good sized tumor, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked, I said, so what causes this? And the woman looked at me and she said, you didn't cause this. And I'm thinking that was a really interesting reaction because A, that wasn't the question I was yeah. asking you. And B, I disagree with you completely. And I didn't know why I disagreed with her, but I disagreed. And the thing was that the, a year before um, I had had a relationship that I – it was literally the first relationship that I was super excited about that I was like, wow, this could lead to marriage for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it ended with a disappearing act by her um, that sent me into a, an emotional tailspin for like a year. Now, I don't blame her for that because right. it's on, it's totally on me how I digest life. But the reality is you can't have negative energy coursing through your body for an entire year, you know, being sad and depressed and frustrated and angry and all that kind of stuff and have it not have some physical impact. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that the tumor, you know, the biggest of the tumors, the primary tumor was sitting directly on top of my heart wow. was not – you know, lost on me at all. Yeah. Um, and so, so then, you know, getting through that whole thing, you know, was you know, recognizing, you know, that there, there were gifts in it, you know, cause almost, you know, from the, you know, one of the gifts, which I'm still learning a bit, uh, you know, there's, there's lessons and there's gifts. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Um, the gift was, I have never experienced love to the degree that I experienced in that. I mean, the people, the outpouring of support from people, mm-hmm. because I, you know, when it first happened, you know, my, my parents are super well-meaning and stuff, but they, they were raised by depression era parents mm-hmm. who had this, you know, oh, you can't tell anybody you're sick because then you'll lose your job and all this stuff. And so, and, you know, I thought about it and I'm like, I'm going to be bald in three weeks. I don't see this being a big secret. <laughs> so, uh, so I decided after a bit of thought that that wasn't, you know, their approach of keeping quiet about it was not my style. So I decided to be very public about it. For two reasons. One, A, you know, I didn't want to look like I was hiding anything because obviously I wasn't going to fool anybody. And B, I didn't want people catastrophizing on my behalf because yeah. I do believe that energy is real. And if you sit there and I'm not saying anything and I'm obviously sick and you're looking at me with pity, then you're probably picturing me checking out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't right. help me. Right. So right. I said, you know what, I need to put it out there that this is beatable that I need help, you know, I would look, you know, if you want to do anything, visualize me beating it. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible because like along the way, you know, those are some of the, some of the gifts, there were tons of them, but that was like in the, the last of the treatments was supposed to be the most severe in terms of the impact that the chemo was going to have on my body, et cetera, et cetera. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, even after the third or fourth treatment, I'm like, I don't know how much more I can handle. And this healer I work with in New York said, he's like, I don't know how much more your body can handle either. And so right before the last treatment, I put it out there on Facebook. I said, I really could use some additional energy on this one. I kid you not. It was the easiest of the six treatments. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's fascinating. It was wild. So, um, there's a couple different things I want to touch on. I definitely want to get into manifest destiny when it comes to, um, like the collective perspective. Um, but I also want to, well, for, okay. There's so many things that I want to ask you, but before I do, I saw on Facebook that you are doing, and you said it was free. I didn't find the free one, but the deep Deepak Chopra, um, 21 day abundance, uh, meditations. 
So where are you in those and what are you getting out of those? So I am on day eight of 21 right now. And, you know, a lot of it is, I guess I I didn't remember it, but I had read his book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success a while back. And, you know, there's, it's a lot of law of attraction type stuff, but what's really nice is just to be able to sit quietly and meditate for 15 minutes, which is something I don't generally give myself time to do. And those meditations, by the way, are available um they're all separately available on youtube for free oh, um, okay you know you know what you wouldn't get from going directly to the youtube is the the little task for the day so like one day you have to write down 50 people who have influenced you or um you know people who um and i had it wasn't quite clear on what the point was but they're oh you say something about people you know who are who frustrate us are often teachers and then so we had to think about yeah. who annoyed us and what, what might the lesson be hmm. um you know, different little things like that. But I will tell you this, um, I've been doing a lot of work on myself since I've been, you know, holed up and I've been doing lots of, you know, looking for the gifts in this, uh, which is a bit challenging because, you know, to watch your income shrink drastically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the gift in it, you know, I knew right from the beginning what the gift was. The gift is me getting more up to speed on doing, uh, you know, the training that I do online. Uh, because oh, I've right. always said that, you know, two things, one, I want to be able to do it online and record it for passive income. Mm-hmm. And two, I want to be able to train from anywhere in the world. And last week I, I've, I've done a lot of online training, but last week I did my very first eight hour online training oh, wow. and pe- and people, even the next day, I got an email from a guy going, that was really eye opening. Thank you. That, I can't wait to put this into practice. And I'm sitting here going, cool. You know, cause they were, you know, people were my colleagues were, you know, who most of them have only done four hour ones. We're like, how was it? I was like, well, you know, I only saw a couple of people hanging from a noose in the video at the end. So that was, you know, a <laughs> positive sign. But uh, no, it really, it was fun and it was great. And I, you know, so that was, the, that was one of the gifts. And so as I've been working on myself and working on all this stuff, there's been lots of different things, but the Deepak is definitely part of it, of, of really, you know, encouraging myself, I don't want to say forcing myself, but really encouraging myself to think more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And and a key part of that, though, is, is acknowledging what's there. You know, it doesn't because yes. you can't shut your eyes and go, this isn't happening mm-hmm. necessarily, but you can choose where you're focusing. Yes. Yes. Um, and so for me, I made a conscious choice. I am not watching the news. In fact, I'm not even going through Facebook feeds anymore um, because too many of them are, are too negative and focused on this. I am literally, I asked, I've got a couple of roommates now um, by choice, just, and it's cool to have them because I just like having people around. And, um, and I've asked them, I said, please do not tell me any bad news. I said, all I need you to do is let me know when things are getting better and when I can leave the house. <laughs> um, you know, other than that, I don't want to know. And it's not that I don't care. It's just that. I care deeply. And I, the, the Corona thing scares me more than the, the tumors did. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know exactly why that is, except for there's a, a you know, that idea that you're going to get something that might, you know, put you on a ventilator because you can't breathe. I yeah. find it absolutely terrifying because yeah. um, I've always had neck related fears and breathing and drowning and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, it just brings up a lot of issues for me and I, I don't want to have any part of it. So let's let's go back then a little bit and talk about what is law of attraction, what is manifesting, and what is abundance. And um, I'm just going to start this a little bit by um, by saying that first of all, we all manifest everything. Um, and I'm actually going to be doing a solo patrons only podcast this week about how I have manifested my life. But 
it wasn't necessarily deliberate. So we all are like it's. I, I, this language sometimes I know to people who are not uh, practicing this might seem a little funny, but it's, it's, I think it's apt. It's, we're all creators. We create our own life. So whether or not um, we realize it or not, we make those choices that create the life we live. So sometimes people just think well, life happens to me and I have to react to life. And other people think well, I will shape my own life. And it's interesting because I have a friend who is Mormon and I was friends with him back in like the late 1980s and he was a dancer and he was one of the most fortunate people I'd ever met. And, and it was, it was because of, he would like, I mean, for instance, my mom and I, and, uh, and he went to go, we were going to buy, my mom and I were going to buy a Christmas tree and there was this one tree that was really nice and it was extremely expensive. It was maybe like 150 bucks or something. And my friend Mick, um, was with us and he just, I don't know. He said something like, that's ridiculously expensive. I'd only pay $40 for that tree. And then he got it. They gave it to him. And there were so many instances where he just got his way. And my mom and I would say, wow, like he's the luckiest guy in the world. And I've, I've come to realize in these past couple of months that I've been doing this, um, practicing law of attraction and manifesting that what, what he has is faith. Now he has a faith in, in the Mormon religion, but what he believes that God or the universe or whatever you want to call it has his back. So there is this absolute confidence that I'm my, I, he, God has my back. So I just trust that things are going to work out for me. And then he moves from that point of view. And that point of view really does bring the opportunity for him to, to get what it is he wants. Of course, it doesn't mean he gets everything he wants. He's not a magician. But it's the idea of when you have so much confidence, whether it's in yourself or in the universe or whatever, and you just assume things are going to come to you and, and be easy for you, then most times they are. And then when you, like, I, I look at myself and I feel like I've gotten in my way so many different times, but part of the reason I got in my way was because I wasn't doing what I wanted and I, I really wasn't happy with what I was doing. So now I'm looking at, at life as, um, I, I am a deliberate creator. I am deliberately shaping my life. So I want you to talk about like what, like what is law of attraction and how do we use it to create our life? Okay, good. So there's a lot of stuff out there that, um, you know, it's interesting because I can appreciate how people might hear, you know, that thing about, especially the, the $40 Christmas tree. I think it's cool that he, that's a gift that I don't know that everybody has. Right. And, and, you know, to me, um, uh, it, I don't know. I, I don't want to judge that. I'll just, I'm going to leave that one alone. But, <laughs> but what I will say is, you know, uh, that the part, a big part of the law of attraction is believing it, but you got to get, put yourself in a place, you know, vibrationally, because we are all radio antennas. Mm -hmm. If you think of it from an energetic perspective. So this is the easiest way to, to describe it. So my very first experience with this was, um, there's a guy named Dave Tillman, who's amazing. Uh, he's an intuitive and one of the, he gave, he had given me a meditation to do, and I've never been particularly good at meditation. So, uh, you know, the idea of sitting quietly, you know, I, uh, have a chapter in my book that is for sort of a comical look at what usually is happening in my head when people mm -hmm. are saying, Oh, just leave your body. You know, it's like, or, or come back to your body. It's like what Deepak says every morning I'm getting, sitting here going, yeah, I never left. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, <clears throat> 
but in this meditation, which was much more my speed, he calls it the five sense visualization. And so what you do is you get all five of your senses activated on your own behalf, thinking a positive thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a couple of different ways you can do this. You can do it like, you know, gratitude journal type stuff, which I do. And you've got to do it like, you know, put it out there, be grateful in advance for things and then be let yourself feel excited in the way that you would feel when you get whatever it is that you want, mm-hmm. you know, that and you know, whatever it is that you're, you're looking for. But with this visualization, which is cool, you do uh, like 15 minutes of music. So upbeat music, not music with lyrics that are going to make you think about, you know, lost relationships or anything like that, but like happy, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use like the Beach Boys Catch a Wave. Uh, I, uh, I used Altoids for uh, a good, strong taste to activate my taste buds. Mm-hmm. I used uh, Money for smell because paper money has a smell mm-hmm. uh may not be the safest thing to do right now but yeah, like right. down the road uh, <laughs> for touch i held a copy of my book because that was what made me feel confident but if you have a shirt that makes you feel really sexy you could do that mm-hmm. and then you visualize whatever it is that you want so now i thought well i'll i'm gonna up this game a little bit I'm going to dance around the room. This is at a point in my career where I was doing training for other companies, but I wanted to do training for myself. I wanted my own corporate clients, you know, where I wasn't giving most of the money to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I kid you not, here's what happened. I, I, for 15 minutes, you know, when no one was around, I danced around to the beach boys listening, you know, with all these senses activating. Mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating even a little. When I put my head, took my headphones off, I walked over to the computer there was an email from McDonald's Corporation and a woman who said, I saw you speak a year ago. I thought you had a really terrific style. We have a challenge and I need your help. Wow. So wait, let me go back. Now you had all your five senses were taken care of. Um, and, and then while that was happening, you visualized what it was that you wanted. Oh, exactly. I was okay. visualizing what I wanted. I okay. was visualizing myself leading workshops, my own workshops. Okay. And then what, what was, what did you use for vision? Uh, I just shut my eyes kind of as I danced and just pictured okay. myself in front of the room. Okay. So, wow. So that, that's interesting. And before you go on, I'm going to talk about this a l- more at length and I probably went over this, uh, in a, in a podcast a while back, but, um, interestingly, many, many, many years ago, I, I kind of delved into this visualization thing, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I had an audition, which was, I was called, um, oh, now I can't remember the name of it, but basically I was there the entire day and I was auditioning for the lead of a movie. And then I was going to sit there while all the male leads came in and I was going to work with them. So I was just going to be there instead of just being there for one quick, you know, doing it and leaving, I was there for the entire day. And my experience was so fascinating because I had visualized the day before how this was all going to come about. And it was the most detailed and like I could feel it. I could literally like the whole acting as if it it has already happened or it is actually happening. And so I was in it. I could feel it. I could see it. All these things were coming to pass. But then I stopped uh, before, you know, there was a a determination of whether or not I would get the part. I just visualized the day. And interestingly, I everything Every, I mean, even to where what the how the office furniture was laid out and what it looked like, I had visualized it so very clearly. And then, you know, um, because I stopped at just giving a great audition and impressing the director and the casting director, um, 
the movie never got made. And it's not to say that if I had gone on, the movie would have got made because the casting director was immediately um, diagnosed with breast cancer and I believe she left the business. So there were definitely bigger problems and, and, and my manifestation was not going to you know necessarily have anything to do with the outcome. But it, I just found it interesting that that's the way it went down, where I just stopped at the, uh, at the end of the audition instead of seeing myself um you know going on and working in a film and and i've and i've learned that when you do visualizations you you do put yourself in the feeling of already having it how do you feel and then um you what was i gonna say now i forgot what i got all i got all excited um but i i think the see idea, it to its conclusion probably yeah you see it to about. its conclusion or better that's what it is or better yeah so it's like exactly you you see what you want and then you add or better, because sometimes, you know, we, we can't control everything. We can't control everything that comes, and maybe there's something that's going to be better for you that the universe is going to, you know, put in there. But let, let me ask you this. For people who are listening to this and saying, okay, this sounds like a bunch of bullshit, and, you know, you don't just imagine what you want and then get it. So that's, it's, it's, it's like you were saying, it's more about a frequency. It's bringing yourself up to feeling excited and feeling as if you have it and before you go in there i just want to say that ev like don't you notice when you're kind of like relaxed and feeling like everything is good opportunities come flying at you when you're not you know bunched up hurted by opportunities yeah yeah and then like, you know and, and we don't pay enough attention that's what my next book is about um you know that this they're all the different things whether they're dreams whether they're uh, whether it's intuition, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's things that happen that we, you know, the problem is, and you use the word in there, uh, and I, I don't know, maybe it wasn't the word, it was more the feeling of, you know, you can't, you can't movie direct your entire life. Yeah. Uh, you can visualize what you want and you get in the feeling place of it, but at some point you also have to let it go and turn it over to the universe to say, you know, because I have one friend who says, you know, if you, if you take the first step, the universe will meet you more than halfway. But you're, you're, so there's two things that occurred to me as you were talking. One is this whole idea of incomplete visualization. So um, my friend Jackie is a really good example of that. I remember early on she, had, she was shifting from – she had been working uh, doing the director of volunteer uh, services at uh, Children's Hospital here in Chicago, and she got this corporate job. And when she was uh, visualizing the corporate job and what she wanted, she got literally everything she visualized – except that she forgot to include that she wanted it to, you know, pay at a certain level. Yeah. <laughs> so everything except for the money came through. And it was like, never doubt that the universe has a sense of humor because like, if you don't <laughs> ask for it, you're not likely to yeah. get it. Um, you know, but that idea of this or something better is helpful. The other thing though, is you don't necessarily, you know, cause there's two schools of thought on it. On the one hand, you can script it out. And some people even refer to it as the scripting process where yeah. you like write out exactly what it is you want. And, but you got to get yourself in that place of, like you said, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm bouncing around because I've already got it. And this right. is really exciting. The other thing you can do that works and I found works really well also is the idea of putting it out there and then letting go right away. So like, for example, at the end of last year, I was around October and I'm looking at my December calendar going, wow, I've only got one day booked on it. And I knew I was going to be taking a trip uh, for a couple of weeks in December that I needed, you know, some additional, you know, extra money for. So I'm thinking, you know, now I'm looking at the calendar. Now I had, I realized in the moment, you know, I, my human side looked at and thought, you know, had this little panic moment of, oh my gosh, how am I going to, 
mm-hmm. you know, do this without, you know, going to the credit cards, which I certainly don't want to do. Um, but then, then there was another side of me that said, okay, no, Rob, forget it. Just, you know, just be grateful in advance that those days are going to fill up mm-hmm. and don't, don't give it a second thought. Don't worry about it. Just be, just stand in the power of knowing that that's, what's going to happen. Okay. I kid you not. Uh, one of my clients, my second highest paying client called me and hired me for a couple of days of work. And then one of the trainers that I work with had to back out of six days of training. So what went to, from, you know, what was looking like the lightest month on the calendar became one of the busiest hmm. in like within the next three or four weeks. So, how you know, I it had that, it all lined up. How OK. So what you just said there um somebody's going to say, how do you believe it? Because you can sit, you can want it. But if there's a little voice in the back of your head that is going, it's unlikely. Okay, then it's according to the rules of the law of attraction, if your subconscious, which is, you know, filled with messages that we have repeated over and over and over again since we were children about whatever it is, specifically money, you know, like there are so many things we hear money is the root to all evil. Um, We hear that the only way that you can get money is lots and lots and lots of hard work. Um, You know, there's all these things that we've heard about about money and and we've also heard that like people who are um you know like mother teresa gave up all her worldly possessions and that's the noble thing to do and and so there are negative connotations around money and there are neg- and so and and we hear them and we say them to ourselves and i've heard the term that a belief is just a thought that we've thought over and over and over again and it becomes a belief so the way to change those negative thoughts in your head is to replace them and continue it's like a muscle you keep having to do it and eventually you can rewire how you think but how did you believe like how did you did you have any doubt in your head or did you just absolutely have that confidence and where did you find that confidence no well i had the confidence because it's like i've been down that road before you know like after you begin to experience it you realize that the universe really does have your back if mm-hmm. you believe it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was able to let it go. I just said, you know what, I, now if I had awakened every day and looked at the calendar and go, Oh my God, you know, is, is there anything on there? Yeah, is anything happening? Yeah. No. That, what am I telling the universe? I'm telling the universe, I don't believe that yeah. good things are going to happen. But if I let it go and stop thinking about it, you know, put, put a good intention out there, my little radio signal, put a good intention out and, and quit worrying about it and then go do some other stuff, you know, go practice piano, go do whatever that, you know, puts your mind in a better, healthier mm-hmm. place then the universe will take care of it. It'll happen. You know, now admittedly, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of, of, of work that went into earning the reputation that would have somebody call me up and hire me in the first place. But, but, you know, let me give you a different example of that. Cause like my thing, my, what, what came out loud and clear and what you were just saying is the the fear thinking that people have. Mm -hmm. And I, a couple of years ago, even though I had, you know, gotten over the scarcity mentality, I thought I did. Universe has a way of reminding you, you know, that maybe you're not quite all the way there yet. Mm-hmm. I had taken um, a full-time gig, which was not really my style at all, uh, and it was not a professional fit or a personal fit. And so, after I'd given up a lot of my freelance things, uh, I went to work for this company. Realized it wasn't a fit, and then so, like around December, I was very much realizing this is a disaster, and I need to get out of it. Um, and, and so I look, but then I'm like, then I had this moment of panic. Okay. Now I've got this paycheck that's coming in every two weeks. If I leave with no severance or anything like that, you know, what's going to happen after two weeks? Cause mm-hmm. in the speaking business, it takes way more than two weeks to, to generate any work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I went a couple of months literally in a, in a panic mode 
basically being afraid of that whole thing. And, you know, what am I going to do? And oh, maybe I can find a way to make this work. Maybe I can do freelance for them. I was trying all this stuff. And then finally, what my attorney one day asked me, she goes, why do you want to work with these assholes? <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know what? You're right. I don't. And because <clears throat> we were, I was tired of swimming upstream and trying to make this thing work. Yeah. And so uh, this is, a, I kid you not, it was a Thursday night at 6.30. I sent an email to the company and I said, uh, tomorrow is my last day. I said, uh, I have realized that we are not going to come to, to agreement on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to set up a time to talk about transitioning the clients. Uh, 6.30 on Thursday night. 6 a.m. the next morning, 12 hours later, less than 12 hours later, I got an email from one of my contacts at a company where I had done some work three or four years before that. And he said, Rob, uh, he said, I've been thinking about you. We've got a project I think you'd be perfect for. And originally the project wasn't going to happen until the end of the year. And then everything moved up like right almost immediately. So my bills were taken care of for the next six months from this project that I got 12 hours after I had the courage to leave. <laughs> yeah. It was, I literally felt as if I had been leaning up against the door of abundance, trying to keep it shut for yeah. three months. Wow. That's so fascinating. Well, you know, I mean, and, and I am going to go over this again. I just want to reiterate to my listeners that when I do this patrons only podcast, I, I will go in, in depth more, but, uh, and I'm going to probably be doing that tomorrow, but I remember it was like in, I think, I think it was around 2008 and I was putting together the book, The Virgin Diaries. I was working on it with my mom, and I really liked the idea of, um, you know, kind of throwing out questions and having people engage. And that's what I did with The Virgin Diaries. I asked people a lot of questions about what it was like to have sex for the first time. And so I just, you know, I thought, how would I keep that going? Like when the book is, you know, if and when the book is out, because at that point I didn't know I was going to actually get it done as a book. But um, you know, what, wouldn't it be, and I thought to myself, and I so specifically remember sitting in my living room, just kind of like having fun with, wouldn't it be great if I could just have like a website and, um, I could, and, and I, I thought of it in terms of what I could do for a living, but I just, I, I said something like, you know, if I could put out a website where I could ask questions or throw out ideas and other people could weigh in. And, and I, I, I saw it as kind of a job or a career, but at the same time, I had absolutely no faith that that would ever happen in my life. I was at that time a sales rep, um, and I, you know, I, I was looking for a way out of that in, in, in uh, you know, like you said, I wanted to be an author. And I thought, well, if I become an author, then I'm just going to be, like, totally wealthy. <laughs> and I yeah. don't have to worry <laughs> about it anymore. And um, that's not what happened. But it's so interesting because I guess that was around 2007, maybe 2008. Well, then Facebook comes along. And that's kind of exactly what I had imagined. It was a website where there were all these people and I could throw out ideas. And it was so fascinating, too, because eventually, you know, I had started Facebook as, a, as like, you know, a, a writer. And I tried to kind of build up this community as a writer. And it just was not really taking off. It was, it was, it was, I had some people following me. But then I got into politics and I wrote an article um, about when Rush Limbaugh called uh, – um, Sandra Fluka slut. And so, you know, I, he basically called her a slut because she wanted birth control at a religious college and so uh, on their insurance. And so I wrote a really sarcastic 
blog post to him and said, you know, to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut or whatever. And that got all kinds of attention. And then it threw me in this direction of writing about politics and getting involved in, in commenting on politics. And so I had actually achieved, you know, I, I my Facebook page went from just maybe like 1,200 followers and it quickly ramped up. I mean, literally within in 2012, which, uh, you know, I, my book came out, actually it's going to be 10 years on April 14th, which is just amazing. But um, the, I think it was on um, April 14th, 2010. And then in 2010, I started that other Facebook page that became like the political page. And it, it, it took um, no time to go from 1,200 people following me or friending me to 5,000. And when it eventually got shut down in October of 2018, I had like 16,000 followers. But I mean, it was such a, a fully engaged page and it was exactly what I had visualized in my living room. And again, I was not deliberately creating it at that point. I didn't, I didn't say, I would like to do this and I'd like to make this much money and you know, I'd like to have this many hours. And I wasn't specific. I just had this vague idea that I really didn't believe was possible because I had absolutely no idea I was not writing at that time. I was not talking about politics. I wasn't doing, I had no idea that even podcasting existed. So everything that I thought of in that little moment, interestingly, has come to pass for me. I did not focus on earning money. So the, the earning money part was a struggle for a very long time, and I'm still working on that. But it's just fascinating to me to, and it's like, when I, when I, when I investigate and I learn more about law of attraction, um, I, you know, I, I understand that you have to be very specific and you have to see yourself because I, and they talk about faith, having faith in the universe, having faith in yourself. And I can, I can have that faith because I can see in so many instances of my life where I manifested it because of what I thought and what you think leads you to, um, down a certain path where, like you said, there are opportunities that come your way that you might not recognize. And when you're in a deliberate creator mode, you start to recognize them. And, and, and another thing that happened to me just over the weekend, um, or on, yeah, it was like on Friday or something, often, you know, I do these interviews all the time. And I interview people on Twitter. A lot of them are on Twitter, and they have a big presence on Twitter. And so I have always felt very uncomfortable you know, I, I, re I, I tweet the show once, and then, I, and then I, that's it. Maybe I'll retweet it a couple of times just to get some extra play out of it, but um, I have not felt comfortable going back three or four days later, creating a whole new post, and then tagging that same person because I felt like, oh, that person's going to feel like I'm bugging them or whatever. So I, I didn't do it. So on Friday, I thought to myself, you know what? What I'm going to do now is I'm, you know, I'm going to talk to each one of my the people that I talk to and say, okay, I'm probably going to be tagging you a number of times. So if you want to retweet it, that's great. If you don't, that's great. But I'm just giving you the heads up. So then it takes away the awkward feeling for me. So I thought that. And then I thought, all right, well, I just interviewed two people last Monday and Wednesday. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a, a tweet where I retweet them and I, I put both of their shows in the comments. So I thought I was going to do it. And then I chickened out. And I, and I thought, no, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until I can actually talk to the people that I'm interviewing and let them know in advance that I'm going to do it. And then I thought, no, 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 Kimberly, just do it. Just put it out there. So I did, and it may seem silly, but I, 
I did that and I got a new patron. So thank you for the new patron. But um, but it just it goes to show you a patron to this podcast. And so it just goes to show you that I, I you know, I had this they call it inspired action. And then I was afraid to take that. I, it was an opportunity for me to get a new patron. And I, I was afraid to do it because I thought I might irritate the people that I had interviewed by tagging them. And in fact, they both retweeted me. And they, you know, they both had positive things to say. So I, I, I think it's interesting. It's like sometimes we get in our own way. We feel like, oh, I can't do that. But if you're, if you're putting yourself in, in that position of, I am a successful X and I earn X amount of money or whatever it is, then, then there are thoughts or opportunities that come our way that we're more, um, like we're probably going to take up, we're going to jump on it. Whereas maybe before we would have been afraid to do it or we uh, wouldn't have occurred to us. And that's why I like to say law of attraction isn't magic. It's just putting yourself in a headspace of, of, yes, it's mine and I'm grateful for it and I feel really excited about it. And then, and then there are op opportunities that come to you. And then you have to take those opportunities. And even if it scares you, especially if it scares you or makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, especially, yes. Well, let's go back to what you said, because you said something really important a while ago, and I want to make sure everybody caught this. Uh, when you talked about your, your letter to Rush Limbaugh, you didn't do that to make money. No. There was no intention of making money. That wasn't the point. The point was you were doing what you loved and what you were most passionate about. The universe took care of the rest. Yeah. The problem is we do things from a place of how can I make money doing this? And that's not usually the best starting point. Yeah. Well, it, yes, because a, it's like, what, what are you going to do? That's going to, I guess, you know, um, enrich other people's lives, but also, you mean, you can focus on yourself as far totally. as what you want and yeah. all that, because it's like the idea of law of attraction is also, I deserve whatever it is I'm seeking. Um, as long as it's positive and not hurtful to other people. But I mean, um, you know, I deserve it. And then also, you know, I mean, because there, there might be somebody who works at, you know, I saw this video of, of a guy, he, he since has become a speaker, a public speaker, but I guess he used to work at um, Nordstrom. And so I was really surprised at how much freaking money people were make selling shoes at Nordstrom. He worked at women's shoes. And I think he said like an average day, was anywhere between three and five hundred dollars um, in commission. So I was like, that's a lot of money to sell shoes. But anyway, so he was talking about okay, like on Sundays, those were usually a slower day. And so, you know, he would maybe sell three hundred dollars worth of shoes on that day. So he decided that he was going to visualize himself selling, you know, like $658 or whatever it was worth of shoes. And he also specifically visualized, he said that there, there were a lot of people, and I, I, he lived in California, there were a lot of people who traveled from Mexico, and they would buy shoes at Nordstrom for their family, and they would go home with them, and it was, it was a kind of thing where they weren't going to be returned. And I guess in shoes, you know, you have to factor in um, when you're working on commission specifically, there's going to be returns. So he, I can't remember what term it was, but he, he was hoping that he would get, you know, a certain amount of customers that were those customers that were going to go buy, you know, shoes to take back to Mexico and that they weren't going to be returned. And so he, he, tr the first day he tried it, he came, he came within like $20 of his goal and he got, um, you know, a number of those customers who guaranteed they weren't going to return them. And so in that particular case, I mean, that's not necessarily beneficial to anybody else but him. Um, so 
so I, I, I mean, I think that you can, you can take this and like say, um, like if I were a sales rep, I, I mean, obviously you met me when I was selling janitorial supply and I never used this. I never used, uh, you know, law of attraction or anything when I was in sales. And I wonder, like, how successful I could have been if I did. But it, Well, but I want to challenge something that you just said. Okay. Because it's, it, there's an, a built-in assumption, and this happens with, you know, the, in the area of sales a lot. Because you said he was the, basically that he was the only one who benefited from that. Right. I disagree. Okay. The people who bought what they, they – these may, the way I look at it is these were people – who they could have been shopping for months for the perfect pair of shoes and suddenly they found them, uh-huh. oh, okay. you know? And so they got something because if they didn't see value in it, they wouldn't have made the purchase. Cause right. I, you know, I've been into Nordstrom's a few That's times true. where I bought right. nothing. You're right. Um, if I don't see value, you know, so I, you know, so he, you know, found the people who were most likely to be enriched by it, not the ones who were doing it as a trial and, Oh, you know, I'll wear them for a couple of days and send them back. Yeah. Um, you know, and so he found the people, they were attracted to him mm-hmm who were, you know, in need of something that they were going to be excited about. So, and he sold it to them. That's a win-win. That's true. You're absolutely right. So there you go. Um, and what I kind of want to ask you is now, for instance, now we have individual perspectives. So we can say, you know, like what you were talking about, you, you feel confident in it. And then, it, and then you, you're going to get these customers and you're going to fill up your calendar and then it happened. But then now when you, when you go to something like COVID, um, it's very difficult to not give into the fear. And like you have the luxury of not having to look at the news. I have to look at the news because it's what I do for a living. I mean, my, my podcasts and my, and the, and what I write, um, focus primarily on politics. Sometimes I can, you know, talk about body image. Sometimes I write about, um, things that are not politically driven, but people know me as somebody who has a big mouth about politics. And so I have to keep up with it and understand. And there is, you know, also there's this part of me that it's kind of like, I can't look away. I have to know what's going on. And so, um, you know, speaking of scarcity, the thing that's freaking me out this morning and maybe oh, I know you don't want to necessarily hear bad news, but I'm, I want to get your perspective on perhaps do you have a way to combat negative feelings when you hear negative, uh, instead of telling you what the negative news is, I'll just say, if you hear that there's negative news, um, h- how do we overcome this? And then also, or how would you overcome it? And then the fact is that there, like I said, there's a collective perspective. And f- one example is, you know, everybody keeps saying out there in the world that Trump is so hard to beat. Trump is so hard to beat. Well, we keep, we keep, pushing that narrative and then it becomes a reality he's not hard to beat if everybody just shows up and votes for the other guy um and then deals with the other guy in any way they you know whether they like him or they don't like him then they deal with him once he's elected but we i I keep hearing like there's there's lots of doom out there and i talked about this with this woman terry canefield last week she's like all these doomsday people saying we're not going to have an election and we're not going to have this and we're going to get trump and things are going to get worse and everybody's just like not everybody but there's a, a large number of people who are feeling extremely defeated and i feel like those that perspective could come to pass we can make that come to pass if we keep repeating this to ourselves because it's the same idea keep repeating it and it becomes a belief and so the first question i have is how do we overcome realistic bad news and how can like how can we pull ourselves out of focusing on that so you know part of it you know is 
for any news story that's out there, and and I I know you're in the business, but I I'm, I'm not at all a fan of news in general, simply because you know there's it's it's manipulated. You know, it's if you talk to you know even you don't even have to go to the tin hat people to to know that there's you there's been uh, coercion in terms of what stories can be shared and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, even in Chicago, you see that all the time with the uh, with we have tons of crime. You know, in certain areas. And we've had mayors who basically told, you know, like there'll be crime on Michigan Avenue and it won't end up in the news because, mm-hmm. you know, somebody somewhere told them, don't, you know, print that story. Don't yeah. have don't air that on the 10 o'clock news. Uh, and so for every story that's out there, there's at least one or two stories that contradict it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have a choice of am I going to believe this version of the facts? Uh, because when you, you know, a big part of what I work with people on when you're talking about negative thinking is there's a wonderful book, by the way. It's called Learned Optimism by a guy named Martin Seligman, who used to run the American Psychological Association. The guy is absolutely brilliant. And he talks about what he calls explanatory theory. And basically, there's ways of explaining things to yourself. Um, and the way that, you know, he breaks it down into three areas. Is it permanent? Is it personal? And is it pervasive? So let's say if you and I were playing tennis. And, you know, or, or you were out there playing tennis and you had a uh, you didn't play well at all. How do you interpret that? Do you say I had a bad game or do you say I'm a bad athlete? You know, because that's it's are you limiting it to this one thing, this one afternoon of playing tennis? Or are you calling it a lifetime of I suck? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or and, you know, is it uh, pervasive? Is it going to affect everything I do? You know, you know, where it's not just I'm a bad tennis player, I'm a bad athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it me um, as opposed to, uh, you know, I got to get a new pair of shoes. These things, you know, I kept tripping over this lace, you know, which is, believe it or not, a positive interpretation of the facts. Uh, and so that he gets into all this stuff. And what happens is we we create our own interpretation of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is fascinating. There's a quiz at the beginning that measures your level of optimism. And 10 years after I did it, I didn't even practice the techniques in the book. I was just aware of the techniques and I was markedly more optimistic hmm. a decade later, simply by being aware of th- some of the thought patterns. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is, you know, what are you telling yourself? Because you can, you know, with, with one, if I've got time for a quick uh, example, sure. there's a company, this is a perfect example is, uh, there's a company that I did some work for and they had, in September of this year, this was all well known at the time, so I'm not sharing anything that was confidential. Uh, they had announced in September of that year that they were going to potentially outsource the entire IT function of the company. Hmm. Uh, and so they, you know, but because it's a really family friendly company and whatnot, they decided to tell the employees what they were doing and thinking about. What happened? People naturally panicked. And they started thinking, oh, you know, and then they created all these dialogues about, you know, oh, they're not telling us everything and, you know, they're hiding things from us. And so I went out there and I did a stress management workshop for them. And it was fun and interesting. Well, and what I was walking into, by the way, they had a, they had brought somebody in previously to do stress management. Mm-hmm. But this woman brought candles and meditation techniques to IT people. Uh, <laughs> this did not go over very well. So, the, so I was already up against that when I walked in. But I walked in. And I sat down in the front of the room and I said, uh, I, you know, the manager's left. I've got literally, it's an auditorium, you know, with the slanted 45 degree angle seating and a couple hundred people in there. I said, all right, let's, let's talk. What are all the examples you can give me of the company not being 
at Faraday right now, mm-hmm. you know, and I just started flip charting for like 20 or 30 minutes. Wow. And I can't, you know, flip chart after flip chart. I'll go, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. Great. And when we finally finished, I said, are we done? Anything else? You know, everyone's like, no, that, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> like, okay, good. I said, what evidence is there that they actually do care about their employees? That was my only question. And I just shut up. Mm-hmm. And it took a little bit of time, but then people finally started saying things like, well, they didn't, you know, if they were really worried about money, they wouldn't have hired you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> so, um, and then there was, and then I would prompt them occasionally with questions. I'm like, who in here has a friend who was ever laid off with no notice whatsoever, who didn't get the benefit of, you know, six months potentially to look for another job. Mm-hmm. Every hand went up, yeah. you know, and we started doing that. So we started looking for additional evidence that mm-hmm. this company actually did care about its employees and that they were maybe doing the best that they could. Hmm. And this workshop, uh, they ended up doing it eight more times uh, wow. because they wanted every one of their uh, employees to go through it. Yeah. Uh, and that was, it was literally same set of facts, uh, but what we chose to focus on right. were the facts, not the facts that support our negative point of view, but the facts that say, you know what, maybe this is a bit more hopeful mm-hmm. than I thought, because you could, you know, if, if I asked you to chart up all the evidence that, you know, something positive that you're hoping for that you don't think is possible could potentially happen, you could come up with easily mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things, but your mind um, at the moment isn't doing that if it's focused, because I can't do two things at once. I can't sit here and catastrophize about my life and at the same time look for evidence that, you know, things are better than it seems. Mm-hmm. I have to pick one. Right. And that's the basis of, you know, we have a choice. We always have a choice. Yeah. Well, and we do. And and that's kind of like where I'm struggling today because I feel like um, certain things are happening that I can't specifically control. Um, but I do think that there is a bit of a collective energy that if everybody could just unite and get together, that the things that are looking um, not too good right now could take a turn um, for the more positive because... We, you know, I mean, and I, I certainly don't, you know, I'm, I have a limited audience. I can't, I'm not some great, you know, kind of huge, I don't know what you even call them. I don't want to use the word guru, but you know, just somebody who can go out there and go, okay, everybody <laughs> think positive. And then they're all going to think positive because they're not. As soon as I go back on Twitter or social media or something like that, or even certain friends that I talk to are going to say, I can't believe what's going on and this is happening and blah, blah, blah. Some, some take, in my opinion, a realistic approach. Some take a very negative approach, but I see the negative approach all the time. And that's something that because I don't have any control over what they do, I, I'm just like wondering, like, how would you deal with someone if you were in my position where you're on say Twitter and you see somebody say we're doomed, which frankly today I even typed that I felt like I was filled with doom. Um, But if you see somebody who feels that doom, how can you like in a quick little um, message to them say, you know, what, what would you say to try to turn their thinking around? Because it's, it's so hard. Yeah, that's Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to No, no, no. It's just, it's just so hard, you know, sometimes to, uh, at least it's hard for me. And sometimes I find it easy, but in other times I have a very, like, before we did the interview today or the show, um, I was crying and I was freaking out. And I, you know, I was kind of glad thinking, all right, I'm going to talk to somebody who understands how to switch over or, or, or replace the, the fearful and scarcity thoughts with thoughts of abundance and, and, and to wreck it. And, and that just means that we all take a breath 
And I mean, I can take a breath. I do this all the time where I look at, you know, my home, my circumstances, my family. I have so much um, to be grateful for. And so I, I can focus on that, but it doesn't necessarily change the thing that freaked me out in the first place. So, like, again, how do you, how do you address somebody who is, is going through that? Okay, good. So uh, thank you for that. And I love the honesty and all of that. Um, and we've all been there at some time or another, you know, whether it was today or last week or whatever. Uh, I got three words for you. Start with yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, that you, that you, we have to be an example. You know, I, what, I, what I'm hearing in, in your, your uh, story is that you, because you are a caring, compassionate person, want to make a difference. And, and you're putting weight on yourself to, to change the thinking of, you know, the collective of way too much pressure. You know, what your best opportunity to do that is by changing your own thinking and being a shining example of that. When I went through the tumors as an example, when I was writing about stuff, I didn't do it, you know, because I was trying to be this, you know, more, in fact, I've never felt more vulnerable in my life to, mm -hmm. as a man, raise my hand and say, I'm sick. I can't do this by myself and I need your help. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like the ultimate and vulnerable yet people responded and said, wow, you know, you're so courageous. Yeah. You're so, you know, you so much grace and all that stuff. I was unintentionally being an example of exactly what I wanted. And people, you know, told me how inspired they were. A number of people who got cancer after I did said, you know, my, you changed my journey. I wow. approached it differently because of you. I wasn't trying to change them. Right. I was trying to deal with it myself. Yeah. Um, and if you deal with it yourself and you're a shining example of whatever it is that you want, people will either come along for the ride or they won't. Uh, but it's not up to you to change them. Right. Well, and I, I recognize that I can't, but I also feel like, you know, there I have like the two modes where I am the – my mom has always called me the crack of doom. And, and it's funny because <laughs> <laughs> I, ha I have a tendency to jump down that rabbit hole, which, by the way, with the, for the most part, it's so fascinating to me that since I've begun this whole journey of manifesting, um, I don't jump down that rabbit hole with the exception of the COVID coming in. I only had a few good months before this happened. Um, but there were certain things that I was, and it's thundering here, by the way, and it's pouring down rain. So hopefully the electricity won't go out. I'm giving you fair warning. Um, but <laughs> I, I had a certain number of, or I, I could say that there were certain times in my life and I've always been fortunate Right. I, I recognize this. And this is something that I've just recently recognized, too, where the universe has had my back. I have I have I remember so clearly there was this one time when I was probably um, like around 30 or something like that. I had I had inherited some money and the money was almost gone and I had to get a job and I was so scared. And I remember I was shopping at Albertsons, which was like a little lower um like in California, Albertsons is not as good as, say, Vons, which is basically Safeway. So Safeway is like the better store. And then there was Albertsons, which I considered to be a little less expensive. And so, of course, I went, I had that scarcity kind of thought process going on. So I went to the lower expensive because I couldn't afford things. And I had this knot in my stomach. And oh, my God. And it was like just feelings of doom. And then everything was fine. I was fine. I, I maybe, you know, my thoughts got in my way and I might have actually had more opportunities come my way if I had a better perspective on it or a more positive perspective on it. But I realized, wow, every time that I've, you know, 
gone down that rabbit hole and 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 told you all, i mean i'm really good at or was really good at well this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and everything is terrible and i'm a loser and i'm going to fail and everything is failure and blah 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 and it's like i will just keep going and going and i feel like my my mother has heard it my boyfriend has heard it and i really feel sorry for my boyfriend because my mom's used to me but it's like my boyfriend listening to me go on this like rabbit hole spiral of of how i'm a failure and how i'm never going to be successful and everything's going to suck for forever he I, he would just look at me and go he's like you just have to keep marching on you just you know, yeah. <laughs> poor guy he's like i don't know how to deal with her when she's like this but when i started uh doing this that's like i was saying to you earlier i would replace i i wouldn't allow myself to go there and the other thing is is that i i had certain things in my life that had happened to me um that i could point to and either feel resentful about or i could stick blame and say this is why i've never had success this is why and it's not and i have had success but i when i'm in my doom mode you know i write everything off and uh, as if it's not successful i take away any of the power that i've uh, achieved on my own and so um, but I've done now what I do is instead of allowing myself to go to that thought, it might be something so simple as I am grateful for my bed because I truly am. My bed is like the most comfortable bed I've ever had. And I love it so much. And, you know, I'm grateful for X and Z and Y. And I have all these things that I can be grateful for. I have a refrigerator full of food. You know, I have, um, somebody who loves me. I mean, there are just so many things. And so instead of going down the rabbit hole of what I don't have, which is often what I focused on, what I don't have. Um, I, I began focusing on what I do have. And I think Good. that brings you into the law of attraction because, you know, like attracts like. And so, you know, going back to that when you're bunched up and you're feeling like, I want this, I want it, I want it, I want it so bad, it's always out of your grasp. But then when you just relax, it just flows right to you. Exactly. So two things, because you there's so much important stuff in what you just said. <laughs> One, that, you know, you went to Albertsons, right? Well, you, you didn't. The point is, you didn't stay home and not spend money because yeah. staying home and not spending money tells the universe that you're afraid and that you know you went out and spent. You didn't spend the way that you would like to have spent. Yeah. Um, you know, so things you got the ball moving. You kept the energy flowing. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't stop it, but you didn't open the floodgate up as much as you could have if you had just kept doing what you usually do. Yeah. Now I recognize that there's. You know, people will say, well, you got to be realistic. You know, the, what about the money, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the other side of this, though, is the, one of the best bits of advice I ever got on this whole thing, because I was circling the drain financially at one point. And the uh, I went to my dad had this psychologist that he used to like to send people to. He was a doc. And I uh, went to the guy and I liked the guy because he wasn't the kind of person who's like, you know, who just listened to you quietly and then say, OK, well, I'll see you next Tuesday. You know, it was mm -hmm. helpful stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to him, after I did my whine about, you know, the world's up against me and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I, this is all out of my control. He looked at me and said, Rob, because your big problem is, he said, when you get in one of these moments, he said, you need to look in the mirror and you need to say, I chose this. Yes. You know, and he said, because you did choose this and you chose it for a reason, you know, and, and you, you know, give yourself the power back. Mm hmm. And I love that. That was that yeah. was one of the turning points in my life. I, that guy was amazing. And you, when you gave yourself the power back, you did that by how? What did you do? I literally started saying, you know what? He's right. I did choose this, and let's focus on all the reasons why why I chose this. Why I chose to do this on my own and not work for a company. And 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 what that involves is being accepting 
of the roller coaster income. Because right, what I was doing right. was making the roller coaster income wrong. I was like, well, yes. I can't, you know, be wrong about you know, I can't make that a bad thing and embrace it fully by, you know, being counting on that for my living. Yeah. You know, it's totally inconsistent. You yeah. know, so I have to I had to literally choose and say, Yeah, I chose this. And and in literally I just regained my mo it sounds weird, but in that moment I regained my power. I said, you know what? Yes, I did do this for a reason and let's focus on that and let's you know, you know, be grateful for it and find ways to make it work and look for the opportunities, you know, and the things that are going right. Because when you focus on what is going right, you can bring more of that to mm -hmm. the table. If you focus on what's not going right, you're going to, you know, that's why we have cliches. Things went from bad to worse because mm -hmm. that's what usually happens mm -hmm. energetically. People get into a negative thing and they, they just spiral yeah. or, you know, but people, the converse is also true. Oh, I was on a roll. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, you got you started vibrating at a higher level. You started getting more of what you wanted and more of it came. No one ever says, oh, my God, I had the most amazing morning. And then at the end of the morning it was awful. And then early afternoon was fantastic. And then mid afternoon was just horrible. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Nobody has a day like that because we wouldn't you know, it just doesn't happen. Oh, my God. The lights are flickering. I'm so I'm so worried here. Um, well, that's funny that you said that because I chose uh, to be an outside sales rep for a long time. I, I had been an actor and then I got out of that and I did it. I did the acting thing for like 10 years and then I got out of that and I went into outside sales and I went into outside sales because I didn't like, I would never work for like an, I would never work in an office. I would never survive. I used to work like in retail situations in like department stores, but that was usually freelancing. And for a brief period of time, I did work behind the counter at a, at a store where I had to be there, you know, um, X amount of hours per week. I never liked having to be in one place at one time with people watching me and telling me what to do. I just not, I'm not good with that. So outside sales had a real appeal to me, especially I was very good at manifesting um, the kind of job that I wanted in that I wanted a, a company. And I would usually say this out loud, or at least, you know, in my mind, I want a company that's either based in another state so that I don't have to check into an office or, or um, but like when I worked for Hilliard, which was actually a great company, it was a janitorial supply. This is where we met when you did that uh, workshop for Hilliard. They were wonderful. Um, they were such the two men that led, which actually were, I always throw this in there because um, you know, there's so much anxiety about liberals and or, or Democrats and Republicans. Well, I'm a Democrat and these two men were Republicans and they always used to give me shit about Nancy Pelosi, but we always did it in a fun way. They were the two coolest bosses I've ever, ever, ever had. They were understanding when times were tough. In fact, my one boss had said to me, sometimes it rains, sometimes it's a drought. And that's, you know, if I was complaining, like, I, I don't have enough sales. And he's like, well, sometimes it rains. And it was like, wow, he was so awesome. He didn't put any pressure on me. He just understood that, you know, it comes in waves and you just got to go along with it. But my whole point here is that the reason I chose outside sales was because it fit the lifestyle that I wanted. I did not want to have to wake up and go to an office every day. And even if it was just like go to an office first and then go out in the field, because I like to work the way I like to work. And as long as you do a good job and you make the money, they leave you alone. And, you know, but if they can make you check into an office and Hilliard never did. So I always chose a, a company that didn't make me go into an office every morning. And but what I was not focusing on was the money. I was always more of a, please, 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 let me get this much money. Please, 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 instead of, I'm just going to get it. I would have it in my head, very strong. I will find a company that I don't have to work, uh, go and check in their office. And I always did. 
every single time. But the struggle I had was with, you know, earning. And some months were great, some months were hard, some, some companies were better than others, and that's the thing. It's like sometimes I went to work for a company that fulfilled my requirement of me not having to go on, but they were, they were either on their way out or, you know, it, it, the economy was going, whatever it was, the money wasn't necessarily there, or, and I wasn't focusing on it. And I didn't realize what you just said. You, you chose this, so be okay with the fact that the money's going to be up and down. And I never was okay with that. It always freaked me out. And sometimes I did really well. But other times it, you know, it, it was really difficult and really scary. And then I allowed my fears to take over. And every time I did, every single time I'd have those months where it was like I had to meet my draw. And I, and I was getting closer and closer to the end of the month. And the money wasn't there. The more fear and bunched up I was feeling about it. So, you know, I just, I think it's interesting to accept and choose. This is what I chose. And because I chose this, I'm just going to trust that I can, I can get this done. And, exactly. And I, and I didn't. I was, I was afraid. I lived in fear. Yeah. And, and yeah, you, well, you, you succeeded in spite of yourself. So yes. you had the fear, but I would argue that your momentum, yeah. you know, you were, you were driven by fear. You could have easily equally been driven by uh, peace and opportunity yeah. and gratitude. Well, and I think if I did, if I, if I think the overall thing was, I didn't really want to be a salesperson. Um, but I, but I didn't see any other options for myself. And so I did allow fear. And I, like, I look back on my experiences in the sales world and I definitely, I, I had, I did pretty freaking well considering, um, but, you know, the, and then there were, there were circumstances that sometimes I just had absolutely no control over where bad decisions were made by management or, or, or certain, um, you know, certain things were coming to. Like, for instance, I used to sell um, bone china and hand-painted ceramic uh, coffee and tea accessor uh, accessories. And the coffee and the, the ceramic stuff is nev never goes out, but the bone china comes in waves. And I remember my, the guy who owned the company, he told me that. He's like, this, is, this business, you go up, you go down, you go up, you down. I hit them in the uptime. And, you know, we did really well. And interestingly, you know, I, I eventually left and, and I wanted, I, and there was also a ceiling on that job. I could only make a certain amount. There was no way to grow. You could only make a certain amount and then that was it. So I thought, all right, now I want to grow. And after I left that, you know, was, I don't know how long it took. It was a couple of years, but they're not even in business anymore because of circumstances having to do with, you know, the prices coming from England and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, you know, it's the whole idea of, we are actually are in we are in control of more than we realize we, or i should say we have more control with the way we perceive things because thoughts are energy and it's the energy that we put out into the world of whether it's like you you know scarcity or fear or peace and harmony and i think i i don't know like what would you say if there's anything to say during this time for the people who are going to, because people who listen to my podcasts are definitely political junkies. And so we're in this roller coaster ride of, you know, we'll take the positive when we can get it. But right now there's not a lot of positives. How, how, if you were going to be, you know, uh, if you were a political person in this, in the same kind of um, situation that I am, how would you approach it in order to stay positive? That's a really interesting question. I need to think about that. Uh, 
And if you need time, that's okay. And I mean, that's, that's kind of like yeah. where I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I do. Um, sure. As you know, it's, it's like I said, you know, <laughs> I, I go grocery shopping. I don't have things delivered. Um, so I go grocery shopping and it, it has become a very traumatic experience because, um, you know, I, I do all the precautions. I wear a mask. I wear glasses. Um, I, I, I never touch my face. And then when I come home, I, I mean, I do the whole nine where I clean every single thing off. And it, it, it's literally from I, I, I did the count on Saturday. I left my house at two o'clock in the afternoon. And by the time I was finished, and that includes a shower afterwards, it was three hours. It was over, just over three hours. So it was this whole three-hour process of, you know, washing off my groceries, washing off the refrigerator door, washing off the door handle, all of the stuff that I had to do. And um, it, it really gets to me. It, it's, it's, it's very frightening, and I, I get so scared. So when I'm finished doing all of that, um, what I do is I lay down in my bed and I have my computer and I find either a guided meditation on YouTube or I just, I just, uh, look for meditation music that's very calming and soothing. And then I put my headphones on and I lay there and I get myself completely relaxed and then I visualize what, and I don't necessarily manifest per se. Sometimes I do, but they, they say you shouldn't manifest when you're feeling traumatized. You should always do it when you're visual, visualizing what you want for yourself. You should do it when you're in a place of feeling really good. And so usually what I do is I make, I try to make myself feel good by just, you know, putting myself in, in a surrounding where, you know, oftentimes I, I go to my grandparents had a house on the Eastern shore and that seems to be my like happy spot. So I go there and I just imagine like when I was young, I would with my grandparents and they had a pier and I would you know lay out on the pier in the sun and I would feel the sun on my body and then there was this little kind of a patch of sand because it was a creek but there was this little patch of sand kind of underneath the pier that I liked to go and walk around and just you know just have this little time with nature and sit out and look at the water and then I would imagine myself going into my grandmother's kitchen and having like comfort food and feeling love and and so that kind of takes my my traumatized feeling it takes it away and it, I, I I pull myself into love and serenity and and it does help that's one way that I am able to get past the fear and the trauma of dealing with this I think it's perfect because it's you know what you're describing is is what I would describe as legitimate distraction so yeah. in in other words I'm not gonna you know, you can use the learned optimism techniques and counteract negative thinking on certain things that apply to rational uh, or, you know, where rational thought and, and that sort of uh, reframing would work. But in other cases where you're just feeling kind of down and it's not necessarily about reframing uh, or where reframing might be a bit harder mm -hmm. to find something. Now, you talked about meditation, but meditation comes in a lot of different forms. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's picking up my guitar or sitting down on the piano for a yes. couple hours. Right. And, you know, it doing something where your mind is clear, uh, you know, the, the one thing, like, for example, for me, scuba diving, mm -hmm. uh, I can't think of a single time I've ever been scuba diving where I had this thought of, oh, well, you know, when I get back, I really need to do laundry. You know, <laughs> I, I'm always yeah. fully present. Yeah. Um, in that moment. And so find something where you can be fully present. Um, you know, for some people it might be knitting, whatever it is, yeah. but just do something. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, ideally it would be productive. I mean, 
I know one woman right now who's dealing with it. Uh, she's knitting masks. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can couple your relaxation or distraction with something that's going to help people, like I know my girlfriend. Um, Steph, who's on the show all the time, you know, she delivers food to people who don't have money or, or can't leave the or elderly people who can't get out or whatever it is. That's even better. I mean, she does it in a safe way, but she is um, helping people. And, you know, I mean, I one of the things I did, I know the post office is having a lot of problems right now and it's and they're talking about not bailing them out. So I saw a post yesterday um, on Twitter where someone suggested and even my mom had talked to me about it in the morning that um, to buy some stamps. You know, it's like if everybody just buys stuff from the post office, they're going to get some money. And, you know, if there's enough of us on social media that see this, you just buy like a book of stamps for 11 bucks. You know, it's going to help them. I don't know that it'll absolutely do the, you know, everything it needs, but it's it's an action you can take that makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're, um, you know, giving back or or, or doing something valuable for other people. Um, And then, you know, it, it makes you feel good because you're doing that. So I guess that's the, I mean, I I guess that's the best we can hope for at this point because um, there's so much out of our hands. You know, it's like, I can't control how the government handles it. I can't control how the virus is going to spread. I, I can only control what I do. True. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that I would, would be great is, you know, for me is I've been visualizing, and I know you know one person you know, may not make much of a difference in that regard, but if a lot of people did it, it mm-hmm. probably would. Yes. I've been visualizing this thing going away as fast as think about how you know SARS and some of those other things. It was like they were in the news, they were in the news, and all of a sudden it was gone. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you know, just because people talk about a curve and a bell curve doesn't mean that this bell curve needs to extend all the way to December. Mm-hmm. I'm visualizing it not extending to December at all. I'm visualizing it, you know, cutting itself off relatively in relatively short order now whether or not that happens who knows but that's what i'm picturing that's right. what well, you know, that, that's yeah. the, the thought that i am choosing to focus on right and it's not going to hurt and you're absolutely right that's kind of what i was talking about the collective perspective if we could all um share um this idea because it is like if i mean i don't know how much a thought and and frequency and all of that is going to affect how a virus acts and reacts but um I do believe that when you have, you know, large numbers of people all kind of putting the same energy into an area, I think it, it has an it, it has an impact, and and it will definitely it'll impact it somehow and some way, and and hopefully the way that we would visualize it. Um, but I think all of this is just so interesting, and I'm really glad that you were on because, um, I, as I said, I was I I was fascinated by the way you conduct these workshops you don't come off as somebody who is like yeah yeah you're just even and cool and you're just like a regular person and um and I'm always like I'm always you know my as I said my mom caused me the crack of doom but I'm also a gen xer so I'm so I'm totally cynical and so um you know my cynicism of, of this whole idea, like, oh, this guy's going to come in and he's going to tell me how to be a better salesperson. Snore! And it was like, yeah. no, that's not exactly... <laughs> it, it was the exact opposite. And, you know, f- obviously, you and I have been friendly um, just because of social media. And, I you know, I've, I've seen all your posts about going through this cancer and you've always posted inspirational... Um, you've always been somebody who's been positive and inspired and has, you know... And I'm, I'm, I just thought it was so 
cool that as soon as I began this whole journey of my own of like trying to deliberately create my own world that you were talking about it and um and so I look forward to your posts and I'm oh thank you I'm, I'm grateful that. that you're there um for me <laughs> because I can take what you say and and apply it and it's like you said I can try to be um an example for other people um and I have noticed uh, you know I mean often in politics the what gets the most attention is the negative. Um, but in times like this, um, and, and I'm not going to say that I don't give in because this morning I was very, very, very dark. I had a very dark feeling. And so what, what I was, I even said, you know, I'm filled with doom. Sorry, you know, on Twitter (laughs) and everyone's like, yeah, we know. Cause you do, you kind of go up with your doom and then you feel okay. But it's like, I have written a couple of posts that, um, have been inspiring and positive and I've noticed, uh, a lot of very like favorable. In fact, you know, I was, I, I, I did a post where, um, because obviously I'm a Democrat and I'm a liberal, so I'm going to push that. And I said, you know, imagine that you wake up on uh, the day after the election and the Democrat won. And I didn't put anybody in there specific. I had my favorites, but it didn't matter to me. It was just like, okay, the Democrat's going to beat Trump. And visualizing them getting inaugurated. And I did this whole little visualization tweet. And I mean, it took off. It really, and people really liked that. So I think when people are feeling um, afraid and when they're feeling, um, you know, when, when there's legitimate things to be afraid of and angry about, I think then they do welcome the positive. So there's that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you clarified the whole being a Democrat thing because I wasn't clear what side of the aisle you were on. <laughs> oh, oh no, I, I'm a hard. I'm, yes, I'm a hard card. I'm a. I'm a lib turd. I. Yeah, no, I remember I asking you. I asked you about that. Um, that night. I think it was. It was like after the workshop. Maybe the last night we all had dinner, and I think you had walked me to my car, and I think I asked you, like, "Are you a liberal or a dumb?" And you're like, "I don't really like to talk about politics," <laughs> 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 and and I I was just curious because my like I said, uh, it was Skip and Steve who were my bosses, and I just I adored them, but they gave me so much shit about Nancy Pelosi, and it's funny because at the time I I was definitely aware of of the political climate, but I wasn't totally. I, I wasn't a junkie like I am now, you know, it's like now I immerse my whole life into it. And, um, I mean, I'm certainly not the most, uh, what's the word? Like, I mean, there's definitely people who have more information than I do have more to say than I do, but you know, I'm a human being who plays in this, in this pool and I have a certain amount of people who follow me. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I have taken a side for sure. Um, but <laughs> that said, I try very, very, very hard when there is somebody like the people that I loved, Skip and Steve, Steve were such fantastic managers and they're obviously their political ideology really didn't have anything to do with it. But it was funny how they used to razz me constantly about my political leanings. <laughs> I just, I would yeah. just yell and it was actually more than anything. It was just fun. It was like, we would, we were just kind of like poking each other for fun and teasing. Well- and it says a lot about you that you look past that because there are some people who are so rabid on one you know side or the other that they won't even you know date or talk to or interact with people. It's like okay, you're going limiting your your pool of potential friends and colleagues yeah, well, tremendously. I, I had. Um, no. Do you know who Joe Walsh is? 
the guy the who, singer no the uh the guy who ran for president he's a tea party oh politician. no well um he couldn't be so he's so far from the way i see things but he ran for president um he's a republic he's like a conservative libertarian i should say and um he does not like trump and it was funny because I blocked him on Twitter because he pissed me off so much. And um, I was so pissed off. Uh, I don't know whatever he said. And he had, he had said something to me once because I went after him and we were arguing. And I think I, or, or I think I had said something about Hillary winning and he called me delusional. I don't remember what it was. But um, I heard that he was going to run against Trump. And I unblocked him. And I was, I, I was very hopeful because I thought, well, he's a great attack dog, so he can go, you know, yell at Trump, and maybe he'll get Trump's attention, and then Trump won't attack Democrats. And so he's been on my show twice. And, oh, that's um, great! I he, love it. He's, you know, he and I will not agree on politics. We definitely have a line in the sand where a lot of this is concerned, but. Um, you know, he doesn't like we're, we're in agreement that Trump isn't good for the country. And we have found um, like this happy medium where we can meet in the middle and, you know, we don't get into arguments because what's the point? I'm not going to change his mind. He's not going to change mine. But it's nice that we can um, have uh, respect for each other, even if we don't. That agree. is great. I love so, it. So anyway, um, well, why don't you, you tell people um, where I don't know, like. Do you? I don't even know if I know you have a Twitter account, but I don't know that you're too active. And plus, of course, my like I said, I I know you're not political, so you're not ever posting anything about politics. But where? How about you direct people to wherever you might want them to find you? Sure. Okay. Um, so for more of the book-related inspirational stuff, um, there's uh, my Facebook group. Uh, Rob Ryan Sullivan uh, would get them there. You know, R Y A N is my middle name. Okay. Uh, the uh, the bigger one is my website, and you and I didn't talk about this, but the uh, I, in the last year or so, have joined forces with a guy named Barry Bonzale and a woman named Jocelyn Ross. Barry Bonzale was Johnny Clegg's drummer, uh, the Johnny Clegg, the guy who inspired Paul Simon's Graceland album, the South African who died last year. And for 19 years, he was his drummer, and so he and I are now doing workshops together oh, where cool. Barry – talks about creativity and innovation and, and I talk about energy and listening and presence and stuff. And we, uh, and with working with Jocelyn, we came up with a really cool, um, uh, some really cool programs and offerings based on what we collectively had realized were the missing opportunities that people, um, had. And what I mean by that just quickly is that like, uh, you know, a lot of times people will do workshops around, you know, particular topics like, you know, you know, and I've let them myself, you know, developmental coaching or presentation skills or whatever. But what I realized was that there's these certain skills that everybody needs to have. Um, and so we've identified seven skills that people need to have and three behaviors they absolutely positively need to avoid that are really common um, if they want to get ahead. And so that has become the foundation for all of the other work that we do. So anybody who wants to do stuff with us, they're going to go through that initial workshop first. And then, you know, we can talk about creativity and innovation, design thinking, you know, energy and presence, any of the other stuff. But they've got to go through the other, you know, we've got to, we've got to set you up first. So yes. it's, we're super excited about it. And that's SullivanZale.com. So like Sullivan and then uh, Z-Y-L. It's a combination okay. of our two names. All right. So. Cool. Well, the, I will put that in the description of the uh, or in the Patreon description of the show, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I've got it. You sent it to me, so I've got all this information, and I'll put it all there. So if everybody, anybody who's listening, wants to follow Rob, that's all going to be there 
thank you, Rob, for coming on the show. Helped it really helped me to talk to you because, like I said, before literally ten minutes before, I was crying and I thought I can't have a stuffed up stuffed up nose. While I'm doing <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, I'm, it's an honor, and it's always fun to talk to you. Anyway, I, I always yes. feel better after I talk to you too. So, oh, well, thank um, you so much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you take care, Rob. You too. Have a great day. Okay. Bye bye. Well, I kind of needed that podcast because I was definitely, as I said, not in a good place right before we started. I'm still kind of, you know, freaking out. Um, and what I didn't tell him about, um, I don't necessarily feel like, uh, you know, obviously I don't feel the same. I have to pay attention to politics. Uh, I don't have the luxury of ignoring them. And I think that, and I can't say that it's a good idea to ignore politics, but I understand not wanting to... Um, listen, because I used to listen religiously to Rachel Maddow every night, and I don't do that anymore. Uh, she's on, and same with Chris Hayes, usually turn it off at 10 o'clock, um, which is when Lawrence starts, who I absolutely adore, but it's like all COVID all the time, all COVID all the time, or how terrible Trump is, which I get all day long anyway, so I can't, I just, I, I hear enough of it during the course of my day. Um, that I can't listen to it at night because I just will spin out. So I do understand and respect that if you can avoid the news right now, um, at least not all of it, I think it's good to understand what's going on. But at the same time, if you can not get yourself wrapped up in the negativity, it's probably more beneficial. So one way I am dealing with this is not, I don't pay as, you know, I, I'm not watching you know, somebody who's incredibly intelligent and a Rhodes Scholar, Rachel Maddow. I mean, I do watch her. My mom watches her. And Bob is, you know, paying attention to Trump's press conferences. I have people around me who are paying more attention so that they can fill me in on the details, you know, the quick two or three sentence details, um, instead of me watching a whole segment where my heart's beating out of my chest and I feel like uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> so anyway. The thing that really got me this morning was the fact that I think, you know, I'm very concerned about our food supply chain. Um, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that talks about the fact that we're in danger and, you know, farmers are having to get rid of food that they've grown because they don't have distributors. The restaurants are closed and people are hoarding and, you know, there are, you know, farmers that are dumping milk because they can't pasteurize it. And a, a girlfriend of mine sent a picture of her grocery store in California where the produce shelves looked basically empty. And my experience has been when I go grocery shopping, the produce has all been there, which I am afraid of. I still buy it, but I'm afraid of it, and I wash it as much as I can. But I've noticed that, you know, the other day I was at Safe uh, Giants is where I go. Anyway, um, I was rolling past the frozen food aisle, um, where they have like French fries and all that kind of thing, tater tots and stuff like that. Empty, just completely empty. And then I went up the aisle of the frozen vegetables and it was scarce. There was there were still frozen vegetables, but certainly not the selection that they usually have. And every and, and, and there was also like, for instance, the um, already made like the chicken wings or the chicken tenders and, you know, um, I don't know, what other packaged foods, packaged prepared foods, scarce. And, you know, I, I, I will say this, that everything that I buy pretty much has been available to me with the exception of the toilet paper products or the paper towels 
and fucking rubbing alcohol. I can't get that online. I can't get it anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. Um, so that worries me and it concerns me because I feel like unless we do something, what, what's going to happen? And that's where I go into the rabbit hole. Um, I, I will say this, though. There was somebody on Chris Hayes, I think, or Rachel Maddow, last week, talking about... Now, I got this from my mom because, again, I was ignoring it. But my mom said, oh, yeah, I was watching whatever show it was. So there was some expert on, and they were basically saying, you know, how we could get through this and overcome this is if we had testing for everyone. And the way that, and, and of course, we would need tests for everyone. But if we had tests for everyone, the way that we would do it is we would test everyone, millions of people per day. We would find out which people are sick, and we would quarantine them. And anybody who has been exposed to those people who are sick would also be separately quarantined until we could test them again to make sure they don't have it, and then they're free to go back out into civilization and get the economy going. But Trump isn't doing that. So, uh, you know, that's where I start that rabbit hole. Uh, you know, but this and that and this and that and this and that, and so I'm just I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> like a meditation after this. Um, anyway, enough of the gloom and doom from me. Uh, I will be talking to Ben Cohen of The Daily Banter on Wednesday, and I assume that's going to be a fun conversation because he's a fun guy, even though um, there's so much weirdness. But I will say this. I will say this. If you're still listening, Bob Seska came in while I was recording, and I guess Bernie endorsed Joe Biden. They were doing a... Um, what he wrote, Bob wrote, they were doing a live video chat with uh, with Bernie and Biden, and then so Bernie endorsed him. So that's good news. Hopefully, Bernie's supporters will follow along. And a real quick thank you to the people who gave me, once again, to people who gave me positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. I appreciate it. And you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K I M B E R L E Y. You can also buy my books on Amazon. Kimberly A. Johnson. I will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.